0: Um, so yeah i, I was going to spend more time with jennifer in order to do that this is where i had to be and that's where i've been ever since it's 1997 uh, till, till today but there was never a time that i didn't know who christ was my my parents were christians my my grandparents were christians on both sides my aunts and uncles were christians surrounded by believers and, and folks i'm so thankful for that what a blessing that is. And I know that's not the case for everyone. I'm so thankful for that. So again, I was attending, um, going to church at Freewill, Free Freewill, Free uh, Pastor Hayes was, a, was James Hayes. And I remember it, no, it was November the 2nd, uh, 1988, and I know that's a long time ago to remember a date, but back then, over there, uh, when you accepted Christ, you got a recognition card. And my mom, being the mom that she was, kept everything, uh, and we actually run across it the other night as we we're going through a, a lot of my stuff that she kept. And sure enough, November 2nd, I don't remember that date uh, specifically, other than that card saying it was. But I do remember the service uh, that, that was on a Sunday night. Um, I remember the service vividly, uh, very, very clear. Um, guess what it was on? Ten years old. It was on hell. It was on eternal separation from God. And as a ten-year-old, I knew that I wanted no part of that. That, that I understood that perfectly. I wanted no part of that. Left church. Uh, at that time, we lived up here on Water Tank Hill. And uh, we was going home. And I, I can remember telling uh, mom and dad, I want to be saved. I, I don't want no part of what, what Brother Hayes was talking about. But, you know, I, that's, not, that, that's not for me. I want to be saved. And they we never even made it home. They, they turned the car around. Uh, uh, right there at the bottom of the water tank hill, went straight back to the church. Uh, church was over. He was at the parsonage, which was right there. Uh, knocked on the door. Pastor Hayes brought us in, uh, explained a lot of stuff to me, prayed the sinner's prayer, accepted Christ as my Savior. Uh, praise God for that. I, I, I'm so glad for that calling that night. Um, I was baptized the following Sunday. And again, I was 10 years old. Now, the part that I... That I always thought that wasn't interesting i've always been somewhat envious of those testimonies that that has that 180 degree turn right the uh, it's action-packed and i didn't experience that I, I mean after all i was 10. the um, only thing i did was publicly profess my faith in christ um and that's a thing folks that's a thing and i always had a, i always had a hard problem explaining that to, to people and i love how the lord works last sunday uh, I was supposed to do this testimony last Sunday, and the graduation thing uh, prevented that, and Chuck um, asked me if I could do it the following Sunday. I was like, yeah, that's great. I'll do it anytime you want. Two or three days into that, I realized it's Mother's Day. I was like, oh, man, there's no way. But, but that's fine. This is, this is God's glory. So I always had a hard time explaining that, and, and Chuck really said it best. I, I appreciate that. And, and, and what he was talking about was so many people come to know Christ because of God's wrath, right? Because of fear. Um, and again, I, I believe that to be a thing, but our prayer is that as you are s- sanctified, um, growing in your faith, that you recognize that God's grace is so much more than God's wrath. God's goodness far outweighs his badness. And, and that, that's, I guess that's what I kind of missed on. Um, fast forward now to 2012, keep that date in your mind. Uh, life happens. Um, again, you know the church history, I, I arrived here um, with Jennifer, I was attending church in 96, uh, we fell in love, we, uh, we, we both went to college, she went to be a radiologic technologist, I think that's a fancy word for x-ray tech. And I was a welder, graduated Mayo, and I went straight to the pipeline. Um, my brother-in-law and sister met, he was my boss, um, that was in 97, 98. Uh, we got married in 2000. Uh, we had our first child, Kirsten, in 2003. We had our second child in 2006, Kara. Uh, we also started a company in 2006, which I- if anybody has done that, that, that is a trying time. Um, and we was also building our house. So you take all that, and that, it, was a, it was a disaster. All the way to 2012, right? You could go on and talk and talk about that, and I don't wanna bore you with the details, but life happened. Life had happened, and to be honest with you, I had the world by the tail. I seen any problems yet. Um, 2012 came. Um, I, I Onsats 2020. I, I, looking back on that, from this is 20 years, guys, 20 plus years, 24 years of being stagnant. And if you can't tell where God is in your life right now. He's not where he should be, and that's the case. I I can't tell you one instance to where God was first in my life throughout those 24 years, and believe me when I tell you, it's embarrassing for me to say that. Standing where I am today, I'm ashamed of that. Thank God for his patience and grace. 2012 came, I knew something wasn't right. Um, 2012 is significant for me because that was the year that we had the tornadoes Uh, in March. Um, annihilated this county. Uh, the Lord seemed fit uh, that me and Junior and Dad, we, um, we had s- work was slow. we had some heavy equipment and some men, and we got to go out to Chapman, which is actually Mom's home place, that uh, that whole area had been destroyed. And that was the first time that I got to serve in that capacity, um, alongside with this church, with, with, with Brother Mike Ellis and, and, and Jennifer, Him, both of them had, had been to disaster training school, um, it was just a special time, and I got to talk to people uh, about my story, right? I got to tell people about Jesus. And I'd never really done that, especially in that capacity. Um, it's remarkable how easy it is to talk to someone about God when the world's been turned upside down. And, and that's what was going on. And I appreciate that opportunity. But during that time, uh, right. During the middle of that, or maybe just right after, uh, end of 2012, uh, me and Jennifer got invited to do a uh, uh, Bible study at the home of Gretchen and Spencer Harrison on crazy love. I don't know if you're familiar with that book or not. It's a great study, great book. I recommend you reading that uh, to be next on your list. It's a great, great book. Um, we didn't get to finish that study because I had got transferred to Northern West Virginia. Uh, me and Jennifer finished it on our own. Um, right after that i i like i said i was getting plugged in i kirsten was old enough to be in youth and we had plugged ourselves in youth and 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 involved in that and and, god was working this whole time i just i say 2012 because that was a key moment for me uh, but god had this all along right this is god's plan Um, right after that i got invited to take brother david maynard's experience in god class now I know you've heard a lot about that class and there's a reason for it, it's because it's awesome. Hands down, the greatest study I've ever took. And I've took quite a few studies. And if you take it under David Maynard, he was here this morning, it's so good to see him. Um, If you've taken it under David Maynard, it's a whole different animal. (laughs) uh, He's tough. Uh, I have been David and Chuck and Tim uh, so much and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, The reason I'm a Sunday school teacher is because I got Tim you know, he started, I'm going to start a Sunday school class with adult men. I said, great, I'll go to it. And that lasted about a couple months or whatever, and then next thing you know, I was leading it. Still am today. But it was during that class uh, that, I, that I started to examine myself and the relationship that I had with God. And that's really, really what, what I took away from that class. And I, and I had learned quick, see, I had that relationship to where I had God in my back pocket. Right? I was checking boxes, as Shante says. I, I was talking the lingo. I was still going to church. I was still saying my prayers. But I had God in my back pocket, and any time I needed him, i bring him out. When I was done with him, put him back up. Again, I can't remember a time that God was first in my – in those 20-some years, I can't remember a time that God was first. And, again, that's embarrassing so after I, 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 I examined my relationship with him, I, I seen that the relationship I had with him would not survive any other relationship this side of heaven, right? If I only showed Jennifer um, love and attention when I needed her, those of you who know Jennifer, that would not last, okay? It wouldn't last for a week tops. I was doing it for 24 years, 20 plus years. That hit me hard, very, very hard. I rededicated my life. I started, little did I know, looking back on it, that I was already getting plugged in. I was already getting involved. And after I had rededicated my life during that class, the next question was, well, how do I do that? Again, this is, you're talking to a guy that never missed church. Going to church was the law, okay? You didn't miss church. If I wasn't at church, I was in the hospital. If we was gone away, Somewhere, we went to church there. We was chucking the test of that. Uh, I'm I'm thankful for for that. But it was the law. So that's the guy you're talking to here, okay? And I didn't know the next step. 20-some years, I didn't know the next step. During that class, talking to Brother David, what is the next step? Prayer. Let's pray about it first. That's what we're going to do first. We're going to ask for the Holy Spirit first, okay? Second thing is this, irreplaceable, immerse, saturate yourself with it. That's how you uh, get that relationship with God. I, the Bible study we're doing now, uh, Tim Chalice, he said, uh, I don't need the Bible to know that there is a God, that God exists, but I need the Bible to know God, and that, that, that's as good as I can say it. Saturates, immerse yourself. It was during that time that I started my personal study with God. Irreplaceable. If you're not doing that, that starts today. Make that commitment. It's irreplaceable. It has to be done to have that relationship with Christ. Please do that, I beg you. Now, the relationship I had with Christ for them 24 years was no more than lukewarm. That really is the best term uh, uh, to use for that. Uh, I was the church of Laodicea. Uh, that that John wrote the letter to in Revelation, and and we know how that turned out. Uh, Christ told him, said, because you're neither hot nor cold, I vomited you, translation, some translations, I spewed, I spewed you out of my mouth. Dangerous place to be, and I recognized it, and it hit me like a ton of rocks. So yeah, I really haven't looked back since then, since that class, since I I examined myself and rededicated my life. both my kids are, uh, uh, well, one's in college now. She's out of youth, but, but the care is still in youth. Me and Jennifer plugged ourselves in. We started going to mission trips. Um, get involved, folks. Get involved. Um, before I close, and again, I could talk about this all day because uh, I won't bore you with the details, but I love talking about it because it is a great thing, and it does glorify God, and it's not about me. It's about him. But... A few things that I want you to get. If you haven't listened to anything else, listen to this, okay? If you are saved, you are in this building, and you are saved. Salvation is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you, okay? It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Um, I take words with people that says we don't see miracles anymore. It's a miracle. You don't deserve it. Neither did I, but God's grace, right? Unmerited favor, I love that term, unmerited favor. Number two, tell your story. You are saved, you've got a story. Don't be like me and think that that, God has since changed my mind of that because I have, I have come across people that can relate to exactly what I just told you, and I know that God has helped them through that because of that story. Um, you have a story, tell it. Also, if you're saved here today and you're examining yourself right now, or, or, or maybe you have, or maybe you're right smack dab in the middle of being lukewarm, fix it. Pray about it. Ask God to help you with it. Saturate yourself in, the, in his word. That's the only way, guys. There's no halfway here. If it is, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. And lastly, and this is the most important thing, um, I, I, I'll always, you will not hear me speak from this platform, that I don't talk about salvation. And if you are here today and you're not saved, today's your lucky day. Paul quotes in Isaiah and in, in, in Corinthians, today is the most favorable day. Not just today is the day of salvation, but it's the most favorable day of salvation. I know that God is still calling sinners home. We've seen that in the last few weeks here. We've seen God call sinners home. We're thankful for that. So thankful for that, because He lives, right? That we have hope, because He lives that you're here, because He lives that I'm telling you this story. So if you're not saved, don't leave this building. I beg you. Don't waste no time. If it can't wait, we'll do it now. I'm sure Seth will take care of that, because He lives because I love you. Don't wait. Christ is calling. Thank you. Love you all very much.
1: We're on there. Okay. Uh, It is blessed. Don't you love testimonies? And hear that from people and share. This is what the good Lord has has done for me. Um, what God did mean, made me forget my glasses sitting over there. John made me cry and I was like sweating and snot was rolling and everything. Um, but I am so thankful today that we get to look into God's holy word. And as we begin on this Mother's Day, I, I, I'm gonna continue in the book of James, but I think I believe I can make it, I can connect that and honor our mothers in the sense of that. Because one thing we know about our moms is that our moms have a tendency to be the most responsible people in our lives. Have you ever noticed that? I'm not saying dads are not responsible. I'm just saying Mother's Day is always more crowded at church than Father's Day. Um, So for some reason, um, moms just seem to be more responsible in their lives because when you said, hey mom, 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 Mom usually responded in a positive way. If you said, hey, Dad, 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 you probably got shut up. What do you want? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that's probably the answer to that question. But my mom and your mom, they were the who taught us a type of responsibility. My mom was the chef. She was the one who was in charge of cooking. And you look at me, she did a great job. Amen. She, she really sold out. Um, my, I made fun of my mom one time because she was, she made goulash all the time. Anybody know what goulash is? That, that's the tomato sauce and the macaroni and hamburger. Amen. I was in Hungary in Budapest one time and in a restaurant and I was starved to death and I was missing my mommy and I ordered goulash. Um, I got goulash and what I got did not honor my mother whatsoever. Uh, so who those poor Hungarian mommies are in bad shape is the only thing I got to know but um, just don't do that, but she's the chef, she's the housekeeper, she's the resolver of conflict, she's the teacher, she's the chauffeur, she's the one who takes care of the laundry, she's the counselor, she's the finance manager, she's the health care provider. Um, she did not say rub some dirt on it. And um, she's the activities director, she's the one that was in charge of everything that was going on. What I want to share with you, the moms are world changers and this morning if you're a mother you have the possibility to change the world with that child that you're raising with those children that you're raising and you have done that and are doing that right now watching our moms should have should give us an understanding that we today have responsibilities responsibilities are understood but what we see today is this there are more people dodging responsibility in the days of we're living in than are committed to responsibilities. And I believe that's where we're finding our problem right now. And the meaning is a responsibility is the obligation to perform the task, functions, or assignments. Responsibility is an uh, obligation to perform certain functions and receive certain, and receive certain results. What's happening today is this. We see a majority of people dodging those responsibilities. Um, They're not accepting them as was given to them. And what happens, um, responsibility is actually the ability to choose your response. You and I get to decide what we are going to be responsible for and whom we are going to be responsible to. And we decide on that decision if we're going to fulfill the obligations that are, have been given to us or we're not going to fulfill the obligations that are given to us. It is our responsibility. We see in James chapter 1 and verse 22 as we begin this morning, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow, I mean, that's verse 21, but I'll read that anyway, of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Today, a lot of people don't remember who um, Daniel Webster was, but he was a state senator and he did a couple stances as Secretary of State. Had a very colorful testimony in life, if you follow it but he did have a desire to know the Lord. One of his famous quotes is this, the most important thought that ever occupied my mind is that of my individual responsibility to God. I love that because it is something that me and you need to realize today that we have responsibilities toward God's holy word. If we fulfill those responsibilities responsibilities, we will have an honest walk with the Lord, and we'll have an honest walk with our brothers and sisters and the people in this world today. So we begin in looking in Scripture at three different things that we need in our life in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, that would make us responsible of having God's holy word in our possession. The very first one we're going to see in verses 19 through 21 is that the word of God must be accepted. The word of God that we have before us must be received. So let's read James chapter 1, verses 19 through um, 21. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, <clears throat> excuse me, slow to um, speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James today calls the word of God the implanted word of God. And we, when we think of that word implanted word, that phrase implanted word, It should bring us back to the memorization of maybe when we were in vacation Bible school back in the day, in Sunday school, and they taught us the parable of the sower. Do you remember the parable of the sower, the the four different types of soil that was given? God's holy word is the seed, and our heart is the soil. And in those four different soils that are possible today, the first one we understand is the hard heart. That's the one with the ground that was so hard and so walked upon and so trodden upon that when someone threw a seed down on it to be planted, it ricocheted off of the hard dirt and did not get implanted so they, nothing grew there and there was absolutely no fruit. So the hard heart does not accept the seed and it gives absolutely no fruit. The shallow heart is that emotional sense that has absolutely no depth it goes a little bit into the soil but not deep enough to grain roots and when the sun beats down upon that soil in the shallow soil the seed is burnt up and the roots die and it bears absolutely no fruit whatsoever that's someone who had an emotional understanding about Jesus but never actually believed upon the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the third soil we see is that crowded heart, that crowded soil that is completely filled with thorns and weeds and bushes and stuff and nobody has any room to grow because of all the weeds and the sin that in there. So the crowded heart is overtaken by sin and pushed out and there's absolutely no fruit that is grown out of that seed. So in the hard heart, no fruit is grown. In the shallow heart, no fruit is grown. In the, um, the other heart, what was it? The crowded heart, absolutely no fruit was grown. But then in the fruitful heart, the fruitful heart was the soil that had been taken care of and had been worked and, and was, was hoed and taken in that sense receives the word and the word is the seed that was planted in that ground at the correct depth and then the roots start growing and the roots take hold and then what happens is that it bears forth fruit. So the question is this what in the world is the fruit of salvation? The fruit of salvation is that what happens after you are saved. When you are saved What glorious happenings in that your life has been changed and you are a new creature. That changed life is a part of the fruit of salvation. When you as a believer and you accept Christ as your personal Savior and you become saved and you want to tell someone else about what happened to you as, as John was explaining to us a minute ago when you have that desire to win souls. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where in the world he got the bread? That happened to me this week. This week Tim um, took a guy in and, and fed him. And then Tim w- walked out of the door uh, a few minutes later. this another guy knocked came in the door and he stuck his head in the door and said, I heard I can get something to eat around here. I said, you did? He said, yeah. And I said, yeah, let's get you something to eat. And two minutes later another guy stuck his head around the corner and said, I heard you're feeding people today. You got any food? And I said, Yeah, but where did you hear this from? Is there a sign out there that I need to take down? What's happening out there? And they said, no, so-and-so told us um, that you had some food to give out. You know what that is? That's one beggar telling another beggar where he got the food. You know what? That first guy could have kept the story to himself and said, "That's my honey hole. I ain't going to tell nobody about it. I ain't going to share it with anybody. I'm just going to come and take food there." But you don't know. He was eating, and someone said, "Where'd you get that?" He said, "Well, I got it down there at the church." You need to be able to, when you the fruit of your salvation is be able to say. God saved me and someone says well, how in the world do you have that joy in your life where you have that peace that surpasses all understanding where do you get off living like that He like I gotta tell you I'm been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ I've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb I'm a beggar telling another beggar exactly where I got the bread that's the fruit of the salvation and that's what we see here today is that we're growing in faith and knowledge, discipling good works. We're praising the Lord. And the question this morning, what kind of soil are you? And then you say, okay, brother, I'm the, I'm the good soil. I'm the fruitful heart. Well, praise Jesus, amen. But James is just like uh, that guy in our, our, our life that kind of questions you when you say stuff like that. So James gives, them a, gives us a test this morning to kind of see what kind of heart we have. And he says this, are you swift to hear? Are you swift to hear? Are you a good listener? People really don't understand good listeners. Because a good listener is a good listener, not because he is bored, but a good listener is a good listener because he is filled with compassion. And he wants to hear the pain and the suffering and the struggles of his brother or sister or his friend so that he would know where they're at and how he could possibly help them you know what we're not good listeners today is simply the fact of it is is that we don't have time we got more important things to be doing right now than to listening but you know what we have been commanded to do by God's holy word was this Swift to hear, to be a good listener, to have a compassionate heart. Just like God listens to us, we should want to listen to someone else. And the second thing he said is this Are you slow to speak? So me and you are getting wore out at the very beginning. Because us people who are swift are not swift to listen are not slow to speak either. We can speak just as quick as anything. You said, You know what, preachers? There ain't but five more minutes left. And you're still preaching. I uh, think you might not be slow to speak. You know what I'm saying? And I would say, I got you, brother. Amen. You pray for me. I'll pray for you. Right? So, are you slow to speak? I'll tell you one thing. If we would speak less, the majority of us would live a lot better life than we live right now. How many of you have, have opened your mouth and inserted foot more often than you'd like to say you did? Um, quick to speak. And the third thing, he said this, are you slow to wrath? What I'm sharing with you today is this. Many of us get angry really fast. A lot of us speak more than we should be speaking, and a lot of us don't listen like we should. If the Word of God is implanted in our hearts and we are that fruitful soil, then we have the responsibility to obey the instructions given to us from the Lord. And that's the fruit of salvation, that we obey. What thus saith the Lord as it is written. The second thing we see is this. The word of God must be acted upon. In verse 22 says, But the, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing the natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and content." Continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be pleased, but be blessed in all that he does. We see here the Word of God must be acted on. It is not enough to hear the Word of God. I don't want to tell you, make you think that it is not important to hear the Word of God. It is of the utmost importance to hear the Word of God, but it is not enough to hear the Word of God. You must also do it. And today, hearing a good sermon is not what brings a blessing. It is doing that. what the sermon said from God's holy Word is that what blesses your heart. And what we see, you are not spiritual today because you are here listening to the Word of God. You will be spiritual today because you acted upon God's holy word. It is great that you are here to hear, and that's where we should be. But also you must not only be a hearer of the word of God, but you must also be a doer of the word of God. The word of God is like a mirror. It is an examination. This morning many of us looked into the mirror before we came here this morning. Some of you all did not spend a lot of time in that mirror, and it shows, I'm joking, right? Um, But the Bible says where we make mistakes is this very thing when we look in the mirror. The first mistake we make when we look in the mirror is this, we only glance at it. We only take a short little spin and look into the mirror. You know what our problem with today is this? We only take a glance at God's holy word. You say, well, you know what's not relevant, and I can't really enjoy reading it, and I get lost in it, it don't really make sense to me. The reason is that you're glancing in God's holy word, and what you need to do is be engulfed into God's holy word, and you'll see a difference in that. The second mistake we make as we look into the mirror, not only do we just take a glance, but when we take a glance, we saw the problem, but we forgot about the problem. My problem is always I always have a piece of shaving cream stuck right here. You know what I'm saying? And someone about eleven o'clock will say, you know, you got shaving cream right here, and I'm like, no, that's for whipped cream, and I'm just going to use that later. You know, um, but uh, um, but we'd see the mistake, but we forget to fix the mistake that was there. Um, we need to understand when we look in the mirror and our hair sticking straight up, we need to fix that. Um, in, in in our church, if you you know what I'm talking about. There's a few of us have showed up this morning with Adrian Lewis hair. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, if you know what I'm talking about, she always had the hair sticking up in the back. If I take a nap that lasts three seconds or three hours, my hair sticks straight up in the back, out there, and it, and it comes out. And I come to church and someone says, "You got Adrian Lewis hair," and I'm like. If you look in the mirror and you see that, you say, don't make fun of Adrian Lewis, you know what, in heaven she is wearing me out right now. You know what I'm saying? So it's okay. I can do that. Um, But what we do is if you look in there and see what's wrong, if you don't fix it, you're still going to look the same way. People hear God's holy word and discover that which is wrong in their life, but they choose to do what? Just keep on going. We don't just hear the Word of God, but we act upon the Word of God. The blessings come in doing of the Word of God. The third thing in closing is this. The Word of God must alter your life. Looking with me in verses 26 and 27. If any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. If you want anything to be known about you in life, it would not be that your spiritual life was useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from this world. The Word of God must alter, change your life. Religion is the outward uh, practice of the service of God. And pure religion means to practice God's word and sharing it. And he says simply what it is, is to, to love the ones who do not have a father, to, to minister to and love and take care of the, of the widows and to not be spotted by this world. We see today that we're have a possibility of understanding that God's changes our life. His holy word does not not allow us to remain in the same place we were before we heard it. After we have heard God's holy word, we have a responsibility to act upon that, and when we act upon it, it changes who we are. The first thing in scripture that we just now read, it changes our speech. It changes how we speak, in that a controlled tongue actually means a controlled body. And you say, well, I, you know what? I may I may slip up every now and then with a gossip. I may slip up every now and then with a with a cuss word or or a bad joke or something of that nature. And we can call that a slip up if we want to. But what it truly is, is that our tongue is allowing others to know that we are not under the control of the Holy Spirit. That we're not allowing the God to guide us. And so what we want to understand is when we hear the Word of God and allow that Word of God to grow in our hearts, it's going to change even how we speak. But not only is it going to change how we speak, it's going to change our service. It's going to change how we serve one another. Right now, many times, we, we decide who we're going to help and who we're not going to help. But when we have the Word of God implanted in our hearts and it starts to change in us, we see others and their needs as Christ sees them. And I pray today that when you're in God's holy word and he is changing you, you see other people through the eyes of Christ, not through the eyes of this world. You see their need, how God sees their need. You see their problems, how the Lord sees their problems. And you have that desire to help them because God has helped you and now he has given you that ministry of helps that you can serve that person as well. This week, I got the privilege of going to the jail ministry with four sweet people from our church, Donnie and Bobby and and Sheila and, and, um, she said right there, uh, Melody. I I was thinking there a second. And I got to be a part of of that ministry. We got to see three baptisms, be a part of three baptisms. You know what? Other people look at those inmates and say, you know what? They've had their chance and they blew it. But then other people have the implanted Word of God in their heart and have that blessing at ministry and say, you know what? Even though they have made a mistake, even though they're in trouble, I see the need that Christ sees in their heart. And they go to minister to those sweet people in prison. Do they look sweet? (laughs) No, not at all. Um, Some of them don't look sweet at all. I mean, every time we go in there, you're thinking... um, Wow, and we walked out of the jail, and it was the, it was a big crowd at the jail. It was a softball fight. <laughs> all you softball parents out there, you'll go to jail and see the preacher in jail. That's the bad part. I come out of we all there was like six of us come out of jail last night of uh, Thursday night, and um, there was a bunch of people sitting in there, and I come out. I, whew, thank God we got out of that place. That was a long time. And I, they, one guy said, well, y'all look pretty good from just coming out of jail. I said, well, thank you very much, brother, amen. I mean, I, he, was like, he was really impressed that we were such good-looking people in jail. I'm like, yeah, they arrest good-looking people just like they arrest ugly people, you know. But I, what we understand is this, is we need to learn to look at people the way and see people the way Christ sees them. And the way you do that is by God's holy word. And the third thing is this, and I want you to hear this, When God alters our life, he separates us from this world. As a child of God, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are here to bring glory to God. This world today, listen, this world today needs us to refuse to let the world corrupt us. This world needs you to refuse to let this world corrupt it. They need to see you standing on God's holy word. They do not need you to look like this world. They do not need you to act like this world because everybody is living like this world and acting like this world. They need you to refuse to let the world corrupt you They need to see Jesus Christ in me and you. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 8 says this. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. No one looks at a beautiful tree that's planted by the river that's huge and so majestic. And you can sit underneath it, maybe even sit on one of the limbs and fish out onto the river. No one looks at one of those trees and says, now what a jerk. I'm just tired of so many trees planted by the water. I just, that's just awful. We need to have more clear ground around our rivers. We don't need a place to fish. We don't need shade. We don't need beauty. We don't need all these things. There are some things we need today, but that's not one of the things we need. No. Nobody complains about a tree, complains about a tree planted by the water. We're amazed at its growth, of its blessing, of its beauty. You know, today, the world is going to try to share with you that they're tired of born-again believers standing up for what they believe in. The world is going to try to tell you that the church is hateful and nasty and grouchy and maybe even ugly. But what this world needs more than anything in this world is for you to be like a tree planted by the waters. That you refuse to let this world corrupt you. That you refuse to walk the way that this world walks. And you refuse to be like this world is. And what you want to do is not just to be a hearer of the word of God, but that you would be a doer of the word of God. This world needs you to act upon what you have heard from the Lord and they need your life to be changed so that they can see Jesus Christ in you let's be that tree that's planted by the waters and be able to say is this I shall not be moved now there's a lot of things today that we won't move on we won't budge on I'm not going to eat a pizza with pineapple on no matter what you do. But that ain't going to change it ain't nobody's life at all. Except maybe the pineapple people. But you might have something you're not going to move on. But it ain't going to affect nobody. But what's going to change Lawrence County and Wayne County and Martin County and Johnson County Elliot is you not moving on the gospel that you're standing firm and say I resolve that I will not be moved I believe in Jesus Christ and I have decided for him, for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord that's how we should live and that's how this world needs us to live today. I'm so thankful that we have roots in Christ, in that soil that we're in. So when the storms of life come, we will not be moved. That we can stand strong right there in the middle of that storm. We need people like that today. We're looking for people like that today that are rooted in Christ Jesus. Let's... Pray and ask God that we would be that. And if this morning if you yet to believe upon Jesus Christ, I pray today is the day you resolve in your heart, yes, I'm going to follow, follow Jesus. Lord God, I'd ask that you would work in our hearts on this Mother's Day. What better day in the world, the most favorable day of the world, Lord, that we could believe upon you. And I pray for the one who is yet to believe Today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for just like the one that, that John was ministering to, who's had you in their back pocket for a long time and pull you out when they need you, but never ever have put their, you first in their life. I pray, Lord, today for rededication, that they would say that I want to seek first the kingdom of God, not all this other stuff. Lord, I want to be that tree that's planted by the waters that my friends can depend on, that my family can depend upon. Lord, I'm so thankful that my mom was that tree planted by the water. In our whole entire life, she did not move an inch spiritually. From the very beginning 48 years ago until today, I've only seen her faithfully serving you. And I cannot tell you how blessed I am because of that. Thank you for a mother and a grandmother and father and grandfathers who served you. But Lord, I'd ask that I'd have that same desire that I would be able to stand for you and on you today. Change our hearts, Lord, this morning in Jesus' precious name. We do pray. Amen. Let's stand. This morning is the invitation.
2: For God, he turned and he heard me. Lifted me out.